Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Having so much fun. I almost can switch into a different gear when I get to talk about Michelangelo. Because it's not just his art. It's the lessons he teaches us through his art about life. Complicated human emotions. Nobody did it better. And to make that in a rock, a rock's a rock. How do you make a block of stone tell you a story about your life? He did it. Drawing, painting, using clay. These are additive. You take a blank canvas, you take a pencil, you start drawing on it, you add to it. You take clay. Oh, I don't like the way the ear turned out. You make some more clay. You whack. You put another ear on. It's no big deal. You paint. Oh, I don't like the cloud. Let me put a cloud here. You paint over it. You add to the canvas, to the paper, to the clay. Go do something subtractive. Here's the block of stone. The masterpiece is trapped in that stone. Take away what's unnecessary show what's living underneath ah that's a genius so for me it's so entertaining for myself to think about it to talk about it my poor wife we went to england there's a michelangelo sculpture even the british don't even know they have it at the royal academy of art it's a round sculpture he carved in marble I'm going to the museum with my wife. Okay, she she tolerates this. She puts up with me. I stood in front of this one sculpture. It was going half an hour, 45 minutes. She says, okay, I'm going to go look around the rest of you. Okay, she, she comes back. It's an hour and a half. I'm standing in the same spot looking at this sculpture, trying to put the, the stone back on the sculpture and then take it off like he did. That's all I'm doing is trying to figure out how did he do this? It's like going to a re- it's like going to La Scala in Beverly Hills to have the veal parmesan. I don't just eat the veal parmesan. Did they use olive oil, vegetable oil? Did they use breadcrumbs? Did they use panko crumbs? Well, it's in their red sauce. How do they make the tomato sauce? Like I'm constantly trying to figure out how you do things. And at eight fifteen, we're going to talk to someone who thinks like this, but in the world of veterinary medicine, Liz Hicks. But when I knew she was coming on to talk about the nutritional value of pet food. Kind of a crazy topic, but not really. Who makes pet food? You may know the brand is Whiskas or Iams or Nine Lives or Alpo. But what you didn't know is that same candy bar or M&Ms you're eating is actually making the dog food and the cat food. Can you imagine? Yeah, listen to the Mars story. Basically most of the gums you could think of. Wrigley also has several recognizable products that aren't gum. We could put Wrigley's wide assortment of products under the Mars umbrella. And it's not all gum and candy for Mars either. They also run 12 separate food brands. Most notably is probably Uncle Ben's Rice. These products are a deviation from the typical chocolate products that are the core of the Mars Corporation. But the company veers much further than that. How about pet products? Did you see that one coming? Pet products? What? But it's an asset that Mars has neglected to use. Now at this point, the Mars name doesn't mean much anyway, but if they had attached it heavily to all their products from the beginning, their new products would have something to give them an advantage when they're first introduced. Perhaps calling it Snickers by Mars, or Mars's Milky Way. Their competitors do it with products like Hershey's Kisses or Nestle Crunch. But Mars took a different route with their marketing. Leaving your name from the product brand gives each product a fair chance to new customers. Going back to Apple, some people don't like Apple and are loyal to a competitor. That means when, say, the Apple Watch was introduced, there was a segment of people that would have bought it but were taken away by the Apple name. 
If someone dislikes M&Ms, they're still equally as likely to purchase Mars's new chocolate offering because they most likely didn't realize the two come from the same place. The biggest advantage of this marketing technique is probably the illusion they're pulling on the customers. The illusion that makes it appear that the company specializes in each product they offer. This is especially important in companies that are competitive in multiple industries. When selecting dog food brands, the customer doesn't want one that's made by a candy company. They'll perceive it as the company putting its real effort into the candy, and this dog food is just a side product. Imagine if there was a dog food simply called Hershey's Dog Food. People would say, when I want a chocolate bar, I'll buy Hershey's. When I want dog food, I'm looking elsewhere. Plus, it might make people think there's chocolate in it, and dogs shouldn't eat chocolate. How are you actually going to pick the right company when the whole idea of how it's pitched and marketed is not right out there? So it made me think all week, wow, marketing. M&M's owns dog food? Makes the dog? Like, oh, my God. Well, we're in the world of art. We're in the world of sports. We're in my world of surgery. Do we see this thought process of how to market something with endorsements and brand equity? And I right away went to Shaq, to Shaquille O'Neal, and Wheaties, which is the ultimate. It's the opposite of what Mars is doing. They, Mars doesn't want you to know that they make the dog food and cat food. But Wheaties, they want you to know everything about it to the nth degree by hiring people to say they eat Wheaties. These people do this for a living. It's unbelievable. We got to be careful. Who do we believe? Here's Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, I'm very picky. If I'm not, if I'm not in tune to the product or if I don't like the product, I won't do it. I always tell a story about after I won my first championship, Wheaties wanted me to be on the cover. Never ate Wheaties, so I turned them down. Second ring uh, championship, same thing. I say, hey, breakfast of champions, I know who you are, but I never eat Wheaties, I can't do it. Wow. This is why we love Shaq. And then he says, now, if Fruit Loops called or Frosted Flakes put me right on the box. But not Wheaties, because I don't eat Wheaties. And I told my people, call Frosted Flakes or Fruit Loops, I'll be on the cover of that, so... I've turned a lot of deals down because I'm an old school guy and I'm, I'm on the handshaking principles. So I don't want to take your money if I'm not really, really in tune to, you know, what you're selling. Think about it. Uh, gold bond. Everybody needs lotion, right? All these hardworking American people, your back gets sore, icy hot. Everyone needs home security, right? Every, everyone needs affordable car insurance. That's why I go to general. So I don't look at it as endorsements. I look at them as partnerships. So Shaq is not endorsing anything he's not using. Listen to Mary Lou Retton, the first woman to be on the Wheaties box, and what it meant to her as an athlete to be asked to be on the box. But if you listen carefully, I'm not so sure she's eating them. Well, let me say that General Mills actually wanted to put me inside the box. <laughs> Just kidding. This is life-size for me. I can actually fit in this one. Um, wow. I mean, honestly, every elite athlete, every small athlete dreams of one day gracing the cover of a Wheaties box. And I remember when this came out almost 30 years ago, and here I am standing again for the second time. Truly, it is one of the most prestigious honors I've ever had. It is. It's prestigious to be on the Wheaties box. But I want to know, should we buy it because you're eating it? It's, it's quite the honor. I really have to say, it's quite the honor. This was, and that was the first woman they put right. on, the, on the cover. So that's something I'm very proud of. I'm the mother of four daughters, and, and to be that role model of a woman in sports is very important to me and broke that barrier. So it serves a purpose, and I'm proud of Mary Lou Retton. God bless her. But I'm also proud of Shaquille O'Neal staying true to what he believes in branding the story the first to do it is a hundred years ago was Wheaties listen to their story now Wheaties has been around since 1924 that's right this cereal is over 90 years old it was technically created in 1922 a worker at the Washburn company in Minnesota 
spill the wheat bran mixture on a hot stove. Now, it took some time after that happy accident to perfect the cereal, but by 1924, they were selling it as Washburn's Gold Metal Whole Wheat Flakes. That name was a mouthful, so soon after, they decided to change it. And after an employee contest offered up tons of suggestions, they finally decided to go with Wheaties. This is 100 years ago. You know who the first athlete, I'm not sure he's eating it, is on the cover? Lou Gehrig, the Yankee. Died of ALS. That's why they call Lou Gehrig's disease. But he was the first athlete to be approached to endorse something of food to help market it. Now, Wheaties is responsible for the first ever commercial radio jingle when they played this over the radio on December 24th, 1926. Now, a little time later, the Washburn Company would combine with other mills and officially become General Mills. Throughout the 30s, Wheaties would sponsor baseball games and began calling itself the Breakfast of Champions. The first athlete ever depicted on a box of Wheaties was baseball player Lou Gehrig, mm. though he was on the back of the box of Wheaties. And throughout the 40s, they continued to use athletes in sports to promote their brand. Whether it's baseball, football, basketball, or crew, what sparks a champion? Sparks you and champions choose Wheaties. Then in the 50s, Wheaties tried something a little different. They changed their promotional strategy to try to market to kids. They introduced a mascot called Champy the Lion. He was voiced by Thurl Ravenscroft, the voice of Tony the Tiger. The way it works is magic. <laughs> the things it does for you. It helps you to be a champion of whatever you want to do. Now these ads work great for getting kids interested in the cereal, but the overall sales declined because adult consumers dislike children's cereals. Except Shaquille O'Neal, who loves Frosted Flakes and Fruit Loops. Then in 1984, they got Olympic gymnast Mary Lou Retton. In 1986, they got football great Walter Payton. A year later, in 1987, they got pro tennis star Chris Everett. In 1988, they got NBA legend Michael Jordan. And lastly, in 1998, they used pro golfer Tiger Woods. You got to hear this ad of Wheaties with Michael Jordan, who was on the box 18 different times. People who want that competitive edge also want the nutrition of 100% whole grain. Better get your whole grain. You better eat two Wheaties. And MJ holds the records for most depictions on the front of a Wheaties box. So marketing, who do we believe? Endorsements in the world of food. In 1968, Nine Lives actually got a cat, Morris the Cat. Leo Burnett, the same guy who brought us the Marble Man. We did a whole show about him. He came up with that brilliant idea. Not like cats watch TV or read ads or talk to each other, but the cat ain't buying the cat food. The owner is. It's very clever what these marketing people do. Roping us in. It sure is nice when someone you can believe is actually using the product they're endorsing. That's a whole different story. When I was a kid, Joe Namath, my favorite baseball player, a uh, football player, who won the championship in 1969, Broadway Joe Namath, 1969, how old? I'm 12 years old. I don't even know what brute aftershave is because I ain't shaving. But I knew when I grew up one day I wanted to use it because I wanted to be just like and smell like Joe Namath. But just like Aretha Franklin says, who's Zooming who? That's right. We're getting Zoomed by a lot of these people. And I don't mean Zoom like it means today. With the Internet. There was no Internet in 1969, but you were being Zoomed by Joe Namath. But it all goes back to my guest coming up next. The great Dr. Liz Hicks. It's a very important subject. Nutrition for your pet. And when you find out that the Mars Candy Company makes cat food and dog food, but they don't want you to know it, wow. And we'll get into it. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Who let the dogs out? Speaking of that, one day my doggy door allowed my little Jewish French poodle to go outside and come back in. But one day the next door neighbor's giant German shepherd went through the doggy door into my house. Went right to the garbage, tore apart the garbage looking for food, found my daughter's paints and crayons, ate them, then sat on the couch, and and I swear to God, sat on the couch and hit the remote control. I came home from work. The house looked like a tornado went through with paints and garbage and food with a German shepherd sitting on the couch watching TV because he had sat on the remote control and turned the TV on. I'm going, oh, my God. Who has just moved into my house? Yep, it was the dog. Anyway, I'm joined now by one of my favorite guests on the Weekend Warriors show, the veterinarian, the greatest, Dr. Liz Hicks. Liz, thanks so much for making time to be with us. Well, thanks so much for having me, and I don't know how I'm going to top that story. That's a heck of a tale. (laughs) Listen, I knew you were coming on and i started to think about it, trying to educate the weekend warriors about something that they don't understand or know that mars candies makes pet food but they don't want you to know it because they think it would basically interfere with their sales so there's a lot going on with endorsements and branding and pet foods and we need you to kind of set us straight so how do you approach nutrition in your practice as a veterinarian, teach us a little bit about the little ones, the cats, the dogs that you take care of and their eating habits and nutrition. Well, I think, uh, you know, let's start on this lovely Saturday morning with the fact that I think we all know in polite company, you don't bring up religion and you don't bring up politics. <laughs> but lesser known is you don't bring up pet food and pet nutrition. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is this is a fascinating world, um, and it is changing dramatically, particularly over the last decade or two. Um, nutrition is something that has changed in a way that it used to be, our, particularly our dogs, right? These were largely working animals that were fed the scraps off the farm. That's how this began. Mm-hmm. And uh, literally about 100 years ago, Purina, Purina Mills, decides that we're going to start making pet food for these dogs. Let's give them a better, more consistent level of nutrition and see if we can increase their lives. And sure enough, that's what we saw. So when I, when I have patients that are coming in, I have people that come in and say, I, I want to feed my, food, my pet the best food out there. And I saw these commercials mm-hmm. for, you know, Blue Buffalo, Wilderness, A Taste of the Wild. And they've really told me, you know, my dog shouldn't be eating you know, byproduct and bone meal. And, you know, I want my, my dog eating blueberries and cranberries and fresh meats. And that's, that's the path I want to go down. And so everybody that walks through those doors has a very different idea of what nutrition means. And as a veterinarian, we have to take all of these different theologies and ideologies hmm. and try to hone in on what is your perception of reality when it comes to nutrition? How are you feeding yourself as a human? Hmm. And how do I help guide you down the path of what will serve you and your pet hmm. the best? Is that fresh food? Is that extruded kibble? Is it wet food? And the choices are endless Hmm. these days. I know you were chatting about branding and different companies, and it is absolutely amazing who has gotten into pet food these days. 
It must be it a big a business. It is a changing world out there. It's a big business. That's why. Before we go further, I got to ask you what we, my wife and I rescued a cat. Her name is Spike. She has one green eye and one blue eye. It's the coolest thing to have this cat, except that she likes to bite a lot. But when we, I put out the food in the morning because I'm the one who's up earliest. Occasionally, I'll watch her scratch the floor near the bowl, and then she'll start to eat. What is what is she doing that probably goes back to ancient cats uh, a thousand years ago? Well, I can't tell you for sure that it goes back to, to ancient cats, but I can tell you that cats are the funniest little creatures on the planet. <laughs> they are adorable, and, and if you take that moment to spend some time watching your cat, their behaviors are fascinating, and a cat will lead you to their food bowl. They will right. occasionally start to do tricks, whether it is yep. rolling around on the floor. I've got a cat right now who thinks that he's hungry, and he is rolling in circles <laughs> on the floor. And I'm quite certain that has nothing to do with ancient Egypt or times or anything. <laughs> but it's got my attention, doesn't it? And they are clever little creatures. So that digging, it could be a, you know, hey, when I do this, food magically appears. Hmm. So I suspect what you have there is a cat who has you very well trained. <laughs> well, I had a guest, a man uh, who wrote a book, Teo is his name, about taking kids who were suicidal, drug addictions, all kinds of kids that were in trouble, and no one really had a great solution. And he somehow got in with a pack of wolves, and brings them to help take care of this pack of wolves. And when he was on the show, he told me that in your dog are pieces of information that go back, you know, since the beginning of time. So when a dog goes in your kitchen or wherever it's going to go sleep, it goes in a circle before it sits down because it's 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 in their body. It's in their instinct that the high grasses... It needs to kind of bend down the grasses so they can make a bed for themselves. And that's basically what this dog is doing, even though there's no high grasses inside your house. That's why I'm asking that. It's a, it's a very interesting idea. You know, there's a lot of debate about, and I think it goes back to the fundamental nature versus nurture. And are the behaviors that we see in these animals, how much of them truly are hardwired into DNA? And, you know, is that dog circling because wolves did it? Or is that dog circling because he doesn't like the way his blankets in his amazing home and comfy bed that he lives in, you know, mm. urban America? It, it, there's a lot of debate, and I think there is no no question in my mind that these behaviors do come hardwired in them. And what's interesting is what has evolved out mm. and what has stayed. And what's the purpose of that? And I think there's so much research left to be done to try to understand the psychology of those behaviors and ferret out nature versus nurture. I'm talking to my favorite veterinarian in California and in the world, the great Dr. Liz Hicks. Liz, I've known you a long time, so I'm going to go off script here for a second. How many years <laughs> now are you practicing as a veterinarian? Oh, dear. You're going to out me. Um, it's been 14 years. So, so I'm a surgeon for 33 years, a long time, and the you know I know you like way for at least that amount of time. So when I go way back in the past, but now fast forward 14 years later of seeing thousands and thousands of animals and operating on them and taking care of them. At this point in my career, when I meet a person, I could even do it over the radio. It seems I could almost see through the skin. I just have to watch the patient get up from the chair to the exam table or put their shoes on. I already know what's the matter with them. I can see through the skin. I'll Yes, I'll look at the MRI and the x-rays. But there's an amazing sixth sense that you develop from taking histories, doing an exam, and then operating on someone. So take us through what it's like to be a veterinarian for 14 years. At this point, what a beautiful moment it is. For you to, two seconds, be in the room with the with the animal who can't speak, who has a crazy owner that you have to deal with, but but <laughs> right away, right? I mean, how long does it take you now? You or okay, this animal's sick, or they're crazy, they're worried. This this animal's fine. Isn't it an amazing 
wonderful feeling to develop this sixth sense as a as a veterinarian now, which I couldn't ask you 14 years ago, but I can ask you now? It is one of the most amazing bonds. And, and the fact, you know, you touched on it. They can't speak. So being able to, to read that language and being able to understand is such a, it is a talent that most, not all, but most veterinarians have, but it is also a skill. Mm. And you're exactly right. It takes years yeah. to develop it. And it takes a lot of trial and error. You have to be willing to be wrong, mm. to miss something in order to learn from that. Um, and it brings to mind a story, and, and I wish it was my story, but it's not. It's a colleague of mine, and she works in an emergency room, and she has been a doc. I won't, I won't out her, but significantly longer than I have. Mm-hmm. And this, this big German shepherd walks in, and it's walking down the hallway, and she's in a side room. So all she has is the width of a doorway to see this patient walk by. Wow. She knows nothing about it. And it walks by the space of a doorway. And she says, that dog has something in the roof of his mouth. Wow. And sure enough, wedged up between his back molars was this big, rotting stick. No one could figure out. Over three days, no one could figure out what was wrong with this pet. And she saw him in the space of a doorway and said, has something stuck in his mouth. So there is there is a magic to that moment when you get to help because you understand and because you see you have to fail to get there. I was an expert in a big court case in Barstow. I don't even know where Barstow is. I'm sure it's beautiful, but I, they, they made me – in the summer, no less, so it was like 120 degrees. They, it brought new meaning to the word you could cook an egg on the in the parking lot on the asphalt. That's what basically it was like. And, the, and there was no one else in the parking lot. I was the expert that day. There was nobody else around. And I walk in. I have my you know paperwork and records, and I'm going to be the expert in this court case. And I sit down, and – you know, they didn't need me right away. So I'm sitting outside the court on a bench inside in the air conditioning, thank God, just looking through the paperwork. And all of a sudden, a woman wearing high heels, she's a secretary receptionist or something, works at the courts, starts walking. And I'm looking at the papers and I hear the footsteps and then I see her. She walks right in front of me. And I don't know, Mr. Big Mouth me, I, I lifted up from the papers and I said, wow, your hip must really hurt. She looks at me. She goes, what did you say? I said, your hip must really hurt. She goes, who are you? I said, I'm Dr. Clapper. What are you doing here? I said, I'm going to be an expert in this case. They're going to call me in a few minutes. She goes, I said, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. She says, give me your card. I said, okay. She goes, I've been seeing doctors up here. Not that there's anything wrong with doctors in Barstow. But I've seen three of them already. Nobody can figure out. It's my back. It's my this. It's my they can't figure out what's the matter with me. And you're sitting here and you're just listening to my high heels come down the hallway. And you're telling me it's my hip. Sure enough, she came down. I did an x-ray. She had bone on bone in her hip. I don't know how they could miss this, but I could hear it in her gait and see it in her gait. And it's the same kind of thing. But you have to deal with this all the time. Because the cat, the dog, the animals, you they they can't speak. So it's really a skill set and an art form that you really have to hone in on. Uh, so how do you deal with all the noise of what food to give them? How do you teach us? How does one of your patients, and I'm not quite sure who you mean. Is it the dog or is it the owner? But how do you educate them of how to find the right food for their pet. So, you know, we touched on a little bit in the beginning. To me, it's incredibly important. If the owner won't listen and doesn't have a trusting relationship with me as the veterinarian, then I can't help my mm-hmm. patient. Right. So you, you touched on it, right? It's got to be both the pet yeah. and the owner. I have to have owner buy-in in order to get the diet that I want to see happen to that patient. Mm-hmm. So, We've got to work together. There is not enough research out there about some of these newer things. You know, you, anyone who is in the pet food industry or has a pet and is doing research, there's a lot of talk about fresh pet foods out there. There's a lot of talk about raw pet mm. foods out there. And, oh, my, do people get contentious 
about the difference. And my approach is we don't have all the information. I am at the end of the day, a scientist. I love my research. I love facts. I love being able to verify things. So I tend to use the research we have to guide people either towards or potentially away from paths they're looking at. But an interesting conversation I just had with a client was that the absence of research does not in and of itself make a product bad. Mm. So if you are interested in, let's say, raw pet food, we don't have research that supports that that is actually better. But people who are, let's talk about your, your towel author, people who are very big into my dog descended from wolves mm. and I want natural diets like they would have found in the wild. If I start talking about Mars extruded kibble pet food, that owner isn't going to trust and listen to me. So we have to find a way to look at what is going to be best for them that they're comfortable with and for the pet without going down a dangerous path. Mm. There's a big issue happening right now with pet food diets. There's been a large fad, particularly in dogs, of no grain, grain-free food. Mm. And it's been about a decade now that that's been on the rise. And we are now starting to see very, very early significant cardiac disease Mm. in dogs with a consistent history of grain-free diets. Mm. And we're still trying to figure out why. And this is where the research comes in. We've gone up and down on several theories. And the answer is not fully clear yet. Mm. But it is linked to a grain-free diet. Wow. So there's a lot to it. There you go. All those caveman diets, keto diets, thank you very much. If you're seeing it in dogs, you're going to see it in humans later on probably. Wow. What's the number one, before I let you go, what's the number one thing people do wrong when feeding their animals? So the biggest thing that I talk to my clients about is the marketing that's out there is beautiful and enticing and wonderful, and it talks about these ingredients. But at the end of the day, the body isn't processing ingredients. The body is processing nutrients. And to get the nutrient balance correct, you need to know that you have a high-quality, highly available diet. And just because it has beautiful packaging and a great name brand and maybe an endorsing sponsor does not make the nutrients in that product available. Mm. So doing it on your own, making your own food at home, or buying something because you saw a great commercial. Those are all things that I would highly push against and try to get people to truly partner with their veterinarians. Um, And if you want to make a home diet, please, please, please go partner with a veterinary nutritionist Mm. because you're not getting it right on your own. I promise you. And Liz, where are you practicing? By yourself? Are you in a group? And how do people get a hold of you? So I love that you brought that up. I am actually in the process of opening a practice in South Bay in Redondo Beach. And uh, we'll be open here in a few months. And it's called Paw Veterinary Center. And I encourage anyone in the area to look us up. And we will be very excited to uh, start serving the South Bay here in a couple months. Oh, we can eat at El Tarasco while the dog and cat (laughs) is being taken care of at your place. Wow. Absolutely. Oh, Liz, thanks so much for making time for us. We can you can feel and hear the passion that you have for what you do, and that alone calms us all down and really inspires all of us at the same time. You're the greatest, and please give my best to your lovely husband. And thanks so much for making time. Appreciate it. Pleasure as always. Have a great rest of your weekend. You do. God bless you. What a beautiful person. The great Dr. Liz Hicks. You got a dog or cat, and you want to figure out what's the matter. That's who I'm taking her to. And I have a cat, but that cat's never been out of my house. She keeps scratching at the bowl, though. I still have to figure out what the hell's going on there. But maybe she's just entertaining me, like Liz says. Wow. All right, coming up next, we'll do some clap revision. I'll take your calls. I got to tell you a story about surfing last last Sunday with my friend CJ, where the computer and therefore no one was in the ocean. I don't have time to go other days. I only can go Sunday. And I'm going to tell you what happened when the two of us went out. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Duran Duran, hungry like a wolf. I love it. By the way, the awards at the station are called the Mandy Awards, named for our fearless leader, Amanda Brown. And guess who can be nominated as your favorite host on the station? Me. How do you get? How do you vote? It's called the Mandy Awards. You go to 710awards.net and vote for Dr. Clapper. That would be great. That would shock the world with all these big shots around here. Who's the best host? Dr. Clapper. He not only can be a host, but he can also do your knee replacement. What a shock. That's that's random. All right, the number is 877-710-ESPN. Don't let me forget to talk about food. Greatest place I went for a power dinner this week with the best fried chicken and the best hot fudge sundae and chocolate and caramel sauce. Oh, my God, was it a meal. I had it a couple of nights ago. I'm still digesting it in my brain. It was so good. All right, let's go to Manuel. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help Manuel? Hi, Dr. Clapper. Good morning. Good morning, young man. How young are you and what do you do for a living? And thank you so much for hanging on for so many hours here already. I really appreciate it. Oh, man. Thank you for, for having me on your show. I'm so grateful. Oh, my I'm pleasure. I'm a full-time UPS driver. Oh. And I'm, I'm 43 years young, about to be 44. Wow. Where did you grow up? What your father do for a living? And how did you become a UPS driver? That's fascinating. Okay, I grew up on a farm. I come from the farm. I'm Salvadorian American. Wow. And uh and my uh dad, he was a landscaper and uh and a gardener. And uh he also had a a, a tile and construction business. Wow. And and growing up, I learned everything about gardening. I learned everything about how to fix things at home. And then uh I Put myself to school. I went to college, and um, wow, going to college. I worked for UPS part time. Wow, man, yeah, man, I, I don't want, I don't want Michael Jordan's autograph. I want your autograph. That's amazing. Good for you. <laughs> so I just want to tell you a story. Here I am. I'm, I'm eight years old. I'm in the downstairs bathroom in my house in Far Rockaway. I'm a little guy. My father says, Robbie, come on. The toilet's backed up. I said, I know. Mom's been hassling you to fix the toilet. Well, we're going to go fix the toilet today. You want to come with me? I want to spend every moment of my life with my father. Sure, Dad. I'm coming with you. We went down. And I'll never forget this, Manuel. You probably, you tell me if you had the same experience with your father. He lifts up the back of the toilet. And the, the clapper, me and him, is trying to fix, he tells me, the flapper. Okay? The clapper's fixing the flapper. It was hilarious, he says to me. And my father, God bless him, he turns to me and he says, I'm eight years old. I, I, it's ridiculous. I'm an eight-year-old. He goes, Robbie, someday you're going to have your own house and you're going to have to ask yourself this question. Again, I'm eight years old. This is a grown adult telling me this. He says, you're yeah. going to have to ask yourself this question. I said, Dad, what, what question am I going to have to ask myself? He says, are you going to be the master of your house or is your house going to be the master of you? I said, Dad, I want to be the master of my house. I'm eight years old. I have no idea what he's talking about. He goes, then, Robbie, you and I are going to fix this toilet so you can be the master of your house. Did you have this with your father where he looked oh. and says, Manny, you're going to have to make up your mind one day. You're going to be a grown man one day. You're going to have a family. You're going to have a house. And you're going to have to be the master of your house. Did you have this conversation, Manny? Yes, sir, man. Like when you you took me back when you said when you started going with that. It, that's what uh, good fathers do, man. We have to teach our kids right. how to fend for themselves, right. how to you know do things with their hands, you know. But you know what, Manny? Think back on your life now. You're forty, right? Forty what? Yeah, I'm forty three. Look at all those nasty. God made good. He made evil. He made bad people. Right. He made some evil people and they hurt yeah. you. They, they they took your money. They they lied to you. They were bad to you and they hurt you to your heart. Right. I've had so many. Don't That's you right. wish you could just tell the your your son, your daughter uh, to protect them from. But you know what? You can't. They're going to have to get wounded 
by these evil people, and you just wish you could protect them from all that. But in, probably in retrospect, Manny, you can't, you, and you shouldn't. They have to actually live their own life and have the same wounds and bounce back from them, and that's what makes their life that much more rewarding. But that's the part that I feel bad about is I'm glad he taught me that, but, oh, my God, it's like I feel bad for him. I feel bad for everybody because of the nasty ones that are running around. That's why you have to do good. You have to find right. today, Manny, a total stranger. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me, and it, it's going to be my great pleasure for a hardworking man like you, the American dream that you're living for 43 years. How can I help you? And it's really a pleasure for me to be able to help. What's up? Uh not to cut you there, but I always do. I always help others, uh, Dr. Clapper. Good. So do you listen uh, to the show? You know you know uh, all the Clapper vision. What's your favorite story that I've ever told? Oh, man, so many, Dr. Clapper. Uh, <laughs> I listen with, with with my son when we go out in the oh. morning, and I tell him, this is a great man. I even met you. Uh, I, I, do, I used to deliver right there in your building. Um, no way. In the 69s, you know. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank yeah. you for taking care of me. I appreciate it. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh. I delivered your early AMs, early in the morning, Dr. Clapper. Wow. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, you came up one day and you say, whenever you need something manual, you come see me. You get hurt at work, you come see me. That's right. You got you to gotta, you gotta bring a chocolate babka, otherwise I'm not taking care of you, but you can come anytime, Manuel. <laughs> and, uh, well, you know, I called because I got hurt at work, mm-hmm. and uh, my back is really killing me. And from that injury, I, I, I came out with a, uh, a growing hernia on my right side. Okay. And, so, uh, so let me right give now, you some advice. There are yes, very elegant ways. Look at how you deliver a package now, right? They got a tracking and the barcode. They didn't have this stuff before. Look at the advancement that's occurred in just driving and delivering a package. How beautiful it's become where you can literally on your own phone watch the package being delivered from the warehouse. It's amazing. Well, guess yeah. what? In the world of hernia surgery, the same thing has occurred. The same ability to be elegant and and track and and we can figure out exactly where the hernia is that we never could before therefore we don't have to take a scalpel cut through perfectly good skin cut through perfectly good rectus abdominis and transverse abdominis muscles that are in front of your peritoneum you got to cut through that which can later herniate again and violate perfectly good structures to get to the hole, to get to the hernia. No. Now we can use UPS technology. We can actually go from the inside out, not the outside in. Completely revolutionary, like Star Trek. And go inside, see the hole in the wall, and elegantly put a patch to cover the hole and not hurt perfectly good structures the skin the muscle the peritoneum like we used to where people got small bowel obstructions after having a hernia surgery and all the complications that came with the old days you can do it laparoscopically elegantly but you got to be in the hands of someone who knows how to measure twice cut once which i learned from my father in surgery so i'm going to give you a name of one of my favorite guys at Cedars for hernias, okay? And when you call, okay. you tell him you're Dr. Clapper's cousin, and he's going to say, wow, he's got a lot of cousins because a lot of people call here saying he's his cousin. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever you got to do, and you give him a big handshake and tell him Dr. Clapper thinks the world of you, and you're going to take good care of me. His name is Neil, N-E-E-L Joshi, J-O-S-H-I. He's the sweetest, the warmest, the kindest, and he is an expert at laparoscopically fixing a hernia. I love this guy, and you will too. So that's who you're going to go to, Manny, all right? Okay, sir. And for for my back? And for your back, you're going to walk in the pool. Uh, But if you need someone to evaluate it, my favorite guy that you should go to, his name is Lionel Hunt, like going hunting. He's at Cedars. You go see Lionel Hunt for your back. I trust him. 
Every one of these guys okay. wants to give you shots and do surgery and epidurals and fusions. Lionel Hunt is a gentleman of gentlemen, and he will tell you, leave it alone. Go back to Dr. Clapper. Let him make you walk in the pool. That's what he'll tell you. But God forbid, if it's something that's really bad, he'll tell you, and he would be the one that I would let take care of me. Okay. So you got two names and, there. Two names for the and, price of one. And how about uh, for for a foot? For foot, if you uh, if I, you know how I walk so much, sometimes you twist your feet. There's here, a young you know? there's a young foot and ankle guy that I just love. His name is Max, like Max Kellerman, Max Mahalski, M I C H A L S K I. He's at Cedars. The other one is Tim Charlton. Two good foot and ankle guys. Call them. You can find their number at Cedars, and you tell them you're Doctor Clapper's cousin. You're a weekend warrior. Okay. All right, Manny. Keep delivering in those packages and keep in touch. And thanks for taking care of all of us. Appreciate it, Manny. I will. Thank you, sir. Okay. God bless you. Have a good day. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. We're going to pay some bills. Last segment coming up. Boy, does the time fly. But I got to tell you food, and I got to tell you what happened surfing with CJ. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Warren Zevon, Werewolves of London, may he rest in peace. That's a that's a singer-songwriter. Love that man. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Last segment. My God. Boy, did that go quick. Next week, make sure you call at 730, and I'll be able to take all your calls. And thanks so much for supporting the show and voting for the Mandy Awards. 710awards.net. Food. I had a power dinner with Amanda Brown, Chris Morales, Greg Bergman, Sam Pines, and Tiffany. Best fried chicken. Oh, it's expensive. I ain't sending you to a cheap place. But when you have a special occasion, a birthday, get the fried chicken and the hot fudge sundae at the Ivy. It's on Robertson. Mm, mm, mm. Is it good? You will thank me a thousand times. And you can sit outside. Has a Louisiana, New Orleans type of feel to the place. It's been around forever. Um, Clapper Vision. I don't know if I have enough time to do Chris Middleton and Devin Booker. Because I also want to tell you what we'll be doing next week. My guest next week is... Well, I have to also tell you the surfing story about CJ. So last Sunday, I get to the beach, to the ocean park my car it's pitch black and uh there's not many cars in the parking lot because the computer and everybody said it's messy 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 and there's no surfing i don't have time to go other days these guys have time to go other days i'm operating and seeing patients that's it sunday morning but my good friend cj walks up next to me pitch blackness and says you gonna did you check it out yet did you see the waves yet robbie I said, no. He says, are you going? I said, CJ, I'm going. Okay, then I'll go also. But it doesn't look good. Change into my wetsuit, get my board out of my truck, walk down the steps, and it's blustery. It's it's messy. There's nobody else in the ocean. And it's just the two of us. And I paddle out just to get the exercise and pound through the waves and the spray. Sun hasn't come up yet. It's called dawn. It's first light. It's starting to crack. And I'm paddling out, and I get out in the lineup, in nature, with the pelicans flying. You see a dorsal fin of a dolphin nearby. I'm in heaven, and I haven't even caught a wave yet. And then I see CJ. And guess what happens? A head-high wave rolls in. I turn towards the shore, paddle as hard as I can. Boom, I'm up on the wave. I'm riding down the face of this unbelievable wave. In two hours, I catch eight of these waves. It was unbelievable. Like God flipped a switch. The next day, I'm in surgery, doing three shoulder surgeries Monday morning. In between surgeries, I look at my phone. It's a text from CJ. 
He says, I want you to know there have been no waves up here for 10 days. And there still were no waves on Sunday. But you went out, and I went out with you, and we caught waves. It was the only, I just want you to know, I'm here, it's Monday morning. You're probably in surgery. I just want you to know, there's no waves again. There were only waves when you went out last Sunday, and I followed you. He says, so I'm texting you to ask you, are you planning on going any days this week? Because you got some kind of karma that I never seen before, Dr. Clapper. I said, CJ, I'm working. I can't go this week. <laughs> but you did bring a smile to my face. It's all about karma. It's about doing things for the right reasons, like all of you do. And I appreciate it. And we all appreciate it. So that's my food story, my surfing story. Devin Booker and Chris Middleton, I'll do Steve Paulette, I'll do their Clapper Visions next week. And next week, my guest is a superstar. He is the best spine surgeon in Los Angeles. And his name is Pat Johnson. And we are going to be blessed to have him. I can't believe, actually, he's got time to do this. But he's one of the coolest surgeons I've ever met. And he does spine surgery. Pat Johnson is his name. So guess what I'm going to talk about? Where is do you see the miracle of spine surgery in art, in sports. Well, you know that group called U2? Well, Bono had an emergency spine surgery he had to do in Germany. But you're going to hear his bandmate, The Edge, talk about that surgery. And you'll hear Bono as well. And in sports, I need you to be educated by the great Dwight Howard of when back pain is coming from a disc, not just from the back. And I'm going to explain. And you can hear Dwight Howard actually explain it. So Bono and Art, Dwight Howard in sports, Dr. Pat Johnson. Oh, my God, is it going to be fun? I can't wait already. So until next week, I'm going to see you on the radio. Until then, Rebecca's going to leave you with volare, which means you're singing and you're flying. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio.